Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Who, who was here in July? Are we even in the same building? <laughs> like, it's so different. And God has really done a lot um, and even in the midst, I'm just so thankful this morning because even in the midst of all of this literal chaos in our building and construction and, and I'll tell you more in just a minute, but so many uh, challenges and obstacles that we've had to face and hurdles that we've had to get over that the Holy Spirit has been just moving in the midst of the chaos. And I love how God is not limited to uh, us having everything perfect, Right? He knows we're in pursuit of excellence. He knows, God knows that uh, the reason we're doing all of this and uh, got this building in the first place and remodeling everything and creating extra space and better restrooms and better kids' rooms and all that is all because we want to be good hosts of him and of you, his people. We want to host his presence and we want to host people well in his presence and so I just want to thank you guys. Again, um, I've, I've heard several comments and questions and, you know, and is the building done? Is this it? No. Okay. We're getting close. And I want to thank you so much. All of you parents this morning, like listen, that's the first time our kid check has ever malfunctioned. Sorry, but we're having issues still with, with internet, with, uh, with electrical uh, outlets and stuff like that, getting everything to work. But I can give you my, my promise. <laughs> that it'll be better next week, okay? We're gonna get things uh, working better. Also, uh, I, I know that there were some issues with the sound. Everything is provisionally connected today, okay? This is not the final product. And if you're like me, um, you're probably going, is there really just gonna be one screen in the middle? I'm having a hard time seeing it back there, right? Yeah, me too. No, this is not it. We're not done. There are actually going to be two of these big screens as well as a much bigger one in the middle when we get done. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful for that? Okay. No, this is not the final lighting package. We're going to have much more lighting. It's going to look a lot better. You're going to be able to see better. And no, our blobby bathrooms are not going to be permanently closed. In fact, the goal is that they will be open by Wednesday night for Revive, for our first Wednesday night back at prayer, okay? And definitely for next Sunday, Anniversary Sunday, we'll have a lot more things done. And I wanted to say all of that um, to remind you, if you need to go to the restroom, they're down there in the dungeon. I mean, in the basement, okay? Just down those stairs. They're easy to get to uh, the restrooms. And don't worry, your children do have their restrooms functioning. So kids are good to go. Adults, we can just... Handle it one more week. All right, you guys okay with the bathroom situation? Somebody said, well, just hold it during the service. You know, I, I'm not good at that. <laughs> so if you need the restroom, there it is. Ready to hear even more? Who wants some exciting news? It's exciting to me. When you walked in, you saw this. Yeah, everybody see this when you walked in? Igniting revival fire every day. 70 invitations that awaken your heart from global revivalists, including 
Sid Roth, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, Robert Slairdon, John Kilpatrick, David Hogan, James Gull, Pat and Karen Schatzlein, John and Carol Arnott, Dr. Michael Brown, and I had the privilege of writing in this book as well. I still can't believe they asked me to write in a book with all those big guys. But they did, all right? So I was invited. Uh, it is a 70-day devotional about revival. It's all about stirring our hearts up to seek revival. It's like a three or four-minute little devotional every single day. And I had the privilege of writing day 28, all right? So if you want to read day 28 first, that's okay. <laughs> But what we want to do with this book is um, today, both today and next week, okay, I'm going to give you some more details here in just a second, but every single dollar that comes in through the sale of, uh, the sale of these books, this Sunday and next Sunday, every dollar, okay, nothing I will benefit financially by no means from this book. Every single dollar will go to finishing our building project, okay? Now, let me tell you why. Have you ever had a bill come due? Oh, come on. Or all of you just have your bills paid a month in advance every, every time you're right? We're going to get there. <laughs> you ever had a bill come due? Like, you know, the bill's there and it has a due date on it. Well, family, our bill due date is coming due. <laughs> Uh, back a couple of months ago, we uh, talked about, well, first of all, getting this building in the first place was an absolute miracle, absolute, total miracle, okay? The way we were able to even get in here was a miracle. But when we came, we were, you know, planning to come into the building, we realized there's a, there was the need for lots and lots of renovations to be able to host more people and to host people better okay and we th first at first thought we need about a hundred thousand dollars to get this place in shape right and if you were around a few months ago you know what i'm talking about all right to get this place in shape not only that but we had the the, the plan the goal of what we're in today is to was to double the size of our sanctuary to be able to uh, host more people right and now you guys were benefiting from that we know that eventually we're just going to have to go to two services because this thing's going to keep on growing. You guys are going to continue to bring more people. God is drawing people unto himself. Um, we had to completely remodel uh, the uh, mobile building out there for our children. Um, also, if you went to the lobby bathroom before they were closed for remodeling, you know why they're closed for remodeling, right? Especially the ladies. How many ladies are excited about your new bathrooms coming, yeah? <laughs> Especially if you're taller than five foot none, right? Yeah, it was a, the struggle was real. You need to ask, just talk to some of the ladies about some funny stories from the bathrooms, okay? It's been funny. All right. We knew we needed to do the bathrooms. We knew there, there, there have been several things that we knew that had to be taken care of in the building to bring it up to code, to fire code. Uh, because we're expanding the capacity of the building, we have new fire codes that we have to uh, meet, okay? And so all of that we thought would be about $100,000, and then we began to run into 
one after another unexpected cost, okay? Things that were broke, I have to say it Southern, they were broke that we didn't know broke were broke, right? Several things were not working that we thought were working that we had to replace. And then other things that were working all of a sudden stopped working as soon as we moved in here. So the good thing is God knew all about that, right? Okay. And so we said, you know, actually it's probably going to cost more about $150,000 to get everything uh, in shape, to get everything remodeled, to make this place a good place to host more people. Well... The amazing thing is, over $107,000 has been raised in the past two or three months. And we're so thankful for that. But let me just read to you a list of unexpected costs. Are you ready for this? The fire extinguishers hadn't been fixed in five years. Okay? And this is not criticism on, 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 on anything. It's just things happen, right? I mean, they're just things we had to update. The fire system valves had to be replaced. Um, we had termites, y'all. <laughs> and people said there's termites everywhere in Georgia. We know, but there was a little bit of termite damage that had to be remediated, right? And then as soon as we moved in, in the middle of the summer, not one, but two of our air conditioning units decided that it was time to retire, okay? They were dead, so it had to be replaced. Just that, just the two AC units were almost 13,000 extra dollars. But y'all, it ain't hot in here, is it? We got AC units that are working. All the gutters had to be replaced. Some of them were literally falling off the building just because that... It, they were old, right, and, and needed to be upkept. Um, something about the sprinklers. I don't even understand all of this stuff. All I know is it says dollars, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000, $13,000,
we had to install some new beams for, to make sure that the building is structurally, completely structurally sound for storms. Um, I could keep going, but I'm not going to. But that's over $27,000 of unexpected things that broke. Okay? Now... Also, we're not done uh, completely remodeling and finishing the sanctuary, okay? There's still some more to do. Um, The bathrooms out here still have to be finished this week in the name of Jesus, this week, okay? Um, We're going to have a much better media and sound setup, okay? Uh, There will be a lot more. It'll be a lot easier to see very soon. It'll sound a lot better. Very soon, there'll be a lot more lighting. Very soon. Um, We had to also update in the building the whole fire system. Listen, God forbid we ever have a fire, but if we do, a voice will tell us where to go. And it's not the voice of God. (laughs) It's a required by the city, almost $10,000 fire system, okay? Fire protection system. That if we don't do it, if we don't install it, we're not allowed to meet. Because, because we have too many people now. What a problem to have. Come on, somebody. <sighs> All that to say. We have a, about a $63,000 bill coming due. As well as a few other things that we simply won't be able to do if the money's not raised. I'm not saying that to beg. You guys know, if you've ever been, if this is your first time, we don't ever even talk about this stuff, right? We teach on the importance of giving our tithes and offerings once a month. We always rejoice in the privilege of giving and worshiping God through our giving. But we never talk like this because Encounter Church has never been about money. It never will be about money. Y'all, we started with college students, okay? I remember when people's tithes were $5. I'm not kidding. I remember when we first started, a lot of college students were waiters and waitresses and they'd come in with their change and their dollar bills from their tips. And that was their tithes. And you guys, we made it by a miracle of God. We've never not paid a bill. Let me say that again because I know there's a lot of people, there's a lot of ministries that can't say that. We've never not paid a bill. Okay? Never. That's our testimony in our city. We've never not paid a bill because miraculously God has provided for everything. I remember the day. Many of you have heard this story, but I remember the day when we just gotten started. We're about a year into Encounter Church. There was maybe 40 of us, and most everybody, with the exception of me and a few others, were under the age of 30, okay? So tithes were like this big. Tithes and offerings. And our rent was this big. In our first little tiny building. Who was with us back on Big Shanty, Lockhart Drive? Right? Our sanctuary was about as big as our stage right now. (laughs) Maybe a little more. 
the AC was meant for 25 people and we packed 70 in there. It was hot. The toilets wobbled. <laughs> Not to mention that during services, there was one toilet available for everybody, men and women together. Not at the same time. But you guys, I remember, I, I say all of this because from before we ever started Encounter Church, when we were still meeting in our basement, even before we ever had our first prayer meeting, we made a decision. From day one, we will give away 10% of our uh, budget, of our income, every month, no matter what that is. We're not going to wait until we have enough finances to pay the bills. We're going to honor God by giving away 10% of whatever comes in. We're going to give it to missionaries. We're going to give it to other churches, other ministries, people in need. From day one, we're going to give away 10%. And we're not going to wait until we have enough to do it. We're always going to have enough because we do do it. Because God honors the tithe. And so we've done that. And I literally remember being out at the mailbox knowing rent is due tomorrow. And we don't have anywhere near the amount. But what we had not finished doing that month was to give away the full 10% of what had come in already. And so I literally made the decision, okay? I forget who I called it, must have, Robert or somebody. I said, listen, we need to give away whatever's left of the 10%. Give it now. Whatever it is. I don't care if it's another $50, another 200 It was a couple hundred dollars, I think. Give it away today. Give it right now because rent is due tomorrow. And we need God's blessing. And I called the landlord. And I told him, hey, I know rent's due tomorrow, because normally we would pay it earlier. I know rent's due tomorrow, but some donations are just about to come in. I, I have no donations about to come in. I just knew that if we gave our 10%, the donations would come in. I said, We're, I don't have the rent today, but I'll have it tomorrow because some donations are about to come in. We gave that 10% away, and the ver I think it was that night or the very next morning, more than enough came in to pay the whole rent. So I'm not saying all that I'm saying to say, oh my gosh, we need your money, please help us. No, no. God's going to take care of this, whether I have the privilege of giving into it or you or not. God will take care of his people. God will take care of his church. He will. But we are invited into the privilege of giving and sowing into his kingdom, right? Into his church. And we know, I believe, I truly believe not only is God going to provide everything we need, but God is going to bless you. God is going to bless this family like never before. I believe we're truly entering into a season of greater prosperity than we've ever experienced before. And if you look at what's going on around us, you know that that is not what's going on, right? But I believe the people of God, we're there. We're coming into a season of greater prosperity than ever before because we're going to be faithful to give. So all of that to say, Okay, 
the book, let me get my camera, the retail price of this book, right, is $20, all right? The book's $20. You can get the book today for $20, but the point of this book is to raise the rest of the money for this building project, okay? Every dollar that comes in through the sale of this book today and next week, okay, is going to go to finish our building project, all right? Now, obviously, $20 for a book is great. We have 100 books right now. But if you feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to give more than that, feel free to pay $200 for the book. We don't care. (laughs) It's no problem. If you feel like that book's worth $20,000, go right ahead. (laughs) No, but really, I say that the book costs $20, but if you feel the Holy Spirit putting in your heart to give above and beyond that, you can give it towards the book, or you can simply just go to the building fund and say, but everything that comes in today, is going to all go so that we can finish this building project, right? Who's ready for us to be done? Well, I'm really ready because I believe that when we are done, we're going to experience a move of God like we've not experienced before. Who's ready for the word? Y'all pray for my iPad. We're having internet issues and it won't connect. The good thing is the word's burning in my heart. All right. Last week, we wrapped up our series on hope and faith. Man, who was blessed by that? Hope and faith. Faith and hope. Come on, somebody. Faith is the action of hope, right? We learned that. We finished up our three weeks on hope and faith. Faith and hope. And as I was getting ready for the word uh, this week, I felt like the Lord gave me a prophetic teaching. Instead of starting a new series, also in preparation for what's next week. Y'all, please be here next Sunday. Bring people. You want to be here for Pastor Dale Walker. So much of what you are enjoying today, experiencing an encounter church, is because of what we receive from him, okay? So Pastor Dale and Sharon, they are like our spiritual mother and father. They, they're the ones who sent us here to plant encounter church. They're going to be with us next Sunday, and you want to be here for that. But as I was thinking about what's coming, it's our six-year anniversary, and the word that God has spoken prophetically to us, I felt like God gave me a prophetic teaching for today okay so you know in fact can we just pray one more time I just really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak more than a uh, more than a teaching more than just a sermon today I really feel there's fire on this word today and I pray today Lord God that the fire that is burning Lord the fire of the Holy Spirit and the fire that's like it's like shut up on the inside of me I pray Holy Spirit give me the supernatural ability to communicate what you're saying to your people and I pray Lord for every person for open ears for open hearts for open minds to receive what you're saying to your church today in Jesus name amen let's just revisit this important concept that we looked at last Sunday The difference in hoping in and hoping for, right? There's a difference in what we're hoping for and what we're hoping in and whom we're hoping in, actually. 
We said last Sunday that although we hope for many things, is anybody hoping for something this morning? Although we hope for many things, our hope is in the Lord. So we never lose hope, even if and even when what we're hoping for isn't coming to pass or hasn't come to pass yet or doesn't come to pass like we think it should and when it should. We never lose hope because our hope doesn't rest in what we're hoping for. Our hope rests in the one in whom we are hoping. Our hope doesn't rest in the promise. Our hope rests in the promiser, the one who gives us his promises, right? So we never lose hope. But unfortunately, so many people today have misplaced their hope. Unfortunately, even many Christians today, we are living with misplaced hope. What do I mean? Our hope is resting somewhere that it ought not to be resting. In fact, it's not resting. It's quite agitated. I, I had the privilege of speaking on Friday on, on uh, Victory 91.5, okay? The sound of revival. I thought it was interesting that I got invited to talk and I was about to give this word. And I was sharing uh, there on the radio show about misplaced hope. That I think our nation and our world at large, there's a lot of people that have totally lost hope. But for the most part, people have hope that's placed somewhere very shaky. Shady, unstable. And, and I say again, unfortunately, many Christians find ourselves in the same boat. Where we have, I've got to get used to being on the stage, I'm about to fall off, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. I hope I don't fall down, except in the spirit. All right. What, what am I saying? Listen, I, I know that you may identify with this in a different way. Different ones of us are in different seasons or have different things going on in our life, in our family, in our soul, right? But it's so important that we make sure that our hope is in the right place right now. Because if not, we'll find ourselves not only greatly disappointed, but in danger. Let me just tell you where our hope ought not be. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Let's talk about where our hope ought not be, but it is a lot right now for a lot of people and for a lot of Christians. Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Come on, say, my heart is open. My mind is unoffendable today. Except God, offend me. So you can help me. <laughs> Our hope is not in the end of the pandemic. It's not. Because we don't know when it'll end. I hope it does soon. But if this whole pandemic thing would just be over, then life would be better again. 
Don't be so sure about that. Our hope is not in the end of all this pandemic stuff. Our hope is not in the recovery of the economy that goes along with the pandemic, right? Now, it's good to hope for things, and we'll, we'll get there. But if your hope, if my hope is in, this economy is going to recover, and then we'll be good to go. You're about to be disappointed. Our hope is not in any specific election result. I better hide for somebody throws something at me. That's all right. They threw stuff at the apostles and Jesus and all them. Our hope is not, if your hope rests in the election going left, right, or in the middle, you're going to be very disappointed and in danger because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen either way. If my hope is in anything of the kingdoms of this world, a.k.a. politics, I'm in danger. There's a spirit of deception possessing our nation. All I can say is study. Study the facts as best you can. Pray. And if you're a good citizen, go and vote. But if your hope is placed in what's going to happen with the election, your hope is misplaced and your hope is in for a mighty shaking our hope is not in a cure for cancer it's not so we don't know if it'll ever happen last year as a family we're going through cancer boy I hoped for a cure But just because there wasn't a cure didn't mean we lost hope. Because our hope is not in a cure for cancer. Our hope is not in the coronavirus vaccine. Once the vaccine comes out, then we'll all be. I don't know what we'll all be. <laughs> I honestly don't know. The jury is still out on that one. But if, if we could just get the vaccine, then the world could kind of get back to normal. Probably not. Our hope shouldn't be in if I could just get that job. Right? Then, if I could just get the job, then, fill in the blank, everything would be all right, right? Or things would get better. Our hope isn't even and i know there's a lot of people struggling with this right now our hope cannot be placed in financial stability if i could just get my finances in order 
If I could just have enough money, then things would be all right, right? How many of you have, don't raise your hand, but have experienced financial stability and things still ain't all right? All of these things, good and great to hope for, right? This is the final one. I, 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 I laughed at this when I wrote it because I've seen so many silly internet memes. I even talked about one a couple of weeks ago about it being December 31st, 2020, 11.59, uh, 11.59, and then <laughs> December 31st, 2020, 11.60 p.m. <laughs> Listen, no, but this is, this is real. Like, so many people, they, they may not verbalize it, but there's this feeling, if we could just get past 2020. If we could just get her into 2021, there's hope. You guys, it may be worse. And I don't say that as a prophet of doom. Our hope is not in 2021, y'all. My hope is in the God who's in the middle of 2020. My hope is in the God who knew all of this craziness was going to happen. If our hope is placed in anything other than God himself, we're going to be weak. We're going to be disappointed continuously. We're going to be ill-prepared for the kingdom of God. We're not going to be very effective to be used by God. Our soul can even be in danger because some people hope for something and when that thing that they're hoping for doesn't happen they totally lose hope why do we why do you think right now there's more suicide than there's ever been because people are losing hope left and right dropping like flies our hope must not rest in anything except the one who is unshakable the living god My hope is in God and God alone, no matter what happens. When I was sick for nine months, the end of last year and earlier this year, I just hoped if I could just feel better, everything would be okay. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I confessed God's word, and guess what? I got better. But let me tell you something. When I was at the lowest point, when I didn't know what was going on with me, when I went to four different doctors and they couldn't tell me. In fact, they told me what they thought it was and it wasn't that. And I couldn't get better. No matter what I did, no matter what I took, no matter how much I rested, even though I went on a sabbatical for a whole month and did nothing, I still didn't get better. And all this time, I kept hoping I would just get better. If I could just get better, I could be strong again. I could do my thing again. But let me tell you, when I was at my lowest point, I can tell you with my full-on honesty, I never, ever had my hope resting in getting better. I knew that if I got better and if I didn't got better, my hope was in someone who's absolutely never going to fail me. And no matter what was going to happen, 
no matter what was going to happen, even if, even if it were something terrible and I was dying. Because I thought that at some point, felt that way. Even if, I'm going to go be with him forever and ever. And everything is going to be all right. Our hope cannot rest in fill in the blank. Come on, maybe some of us actually need to do that. Right now, today, be honest with yourself. Where have you been placing your hope? And today you need to say it. My hope is not in fill in the blank. My hope is not in getting that job. My hope is not in getting financially stable. My hope is not in the end of this pandemic. My hope is not in, I hope the election turns out like I want it to. My hope is not in being healed. My hope is not in finally finishing this building project. We hope and we pray for the best outcome in all of these things. And we could keep going. But if our hope rests in any of this, we're going to be disappointed. And the scary thing is, if our hope isn't resting in God alone, we are easy prey for the devil. He's just looking for someone whose hope is in the wrong place. mess up whatever situation we're going through and then eat you alive he's looking for it he's looking for someone but I do have a hope for the future I have a hope for Encounter Church I have a hope for my children I have a hope for your children. I have a hope for this generation, for the future of this generation. I have a hope for the future of future generations. You guys, I have hope for the future of our city. I have hope for the future of the United States of America. I have hope for the future of the world. My hope is in God, in God alone, but my hope for the future is revival. My hope for the future. And I want to ask you to allow your heart to be gripped with that hope as well. Truly, our only hope for the future of this thing is for a revival to happen. Is for a great awakening to come. Is for an outpouring of the Spirit of God to come upon our land like never before. That's my hope for my family. That's my hope for my church. That's my hope for my children, for your children, for our future, for our nation. For an outpouring of the Spirit of God. For a great awakening, a spiritual way. Not what we mistakenly call revival, y'all. Because we call revival a lot of things. We call revival a, extra, a, a, a Sunday that felt extra, I don't know. Woo! Revival is because, whoa, somebody got healed. Last week, 
We had two people instantly healed, miraculously here, okay? And that's the evidence of the stirring of revival, but that's not revival. Revival isn't just a, wow, the Spirit of God is moving, so we decide to have services every night, right? Isn't that what we used to call revival? And, and that does happen in revival. When the Spirit of God is moving, we want to come together more often and let it move, right? But revival isn't just a week of special meetings. It's not an extra special Holy Ghost meeting. Revival is awakening. To wake us up. To wake our spirits up. To wake up the church of the living God. To wake up us, God's family, into our destiny. And because we're awake, we wake up our city and we wake up our nation. Come on, somebody. We can't wake nobody up if we're not awake. And we can't shake ourselves and fabricate an awakening. All we can do is hope for it, pray for it, seek it, and go after the one who can awaken us. A move of the Holy Spirit like this. Did you guys know that neither the millennial nor the Gen Z generation has experienced a true, true revival? Like, like other generations have experienced. Neither the millennials nor the Gen Z generation. We're talking two whole generations that have never experienced a sovereign move of God. They've experienced the move of God in our churches a little bit here and there. They've been to conferences here and there, special revival meetings. Praise God for what's happening at North Georgia Revival, right, in the, in the baptismal waters. Many of us have been touched and, and refreshed there. But there's a whole generation, pretty much anyone under the age of 30, 35, They've heard about revival, but they've never seen it. I saw it as a kid. I saw it as an adolescent. It changed my life and marked me forever. My hope for the future is revival. So we're going to read the Bible today, Pastor. All you talked about was bathrooms, TV screens, kid check, and revival, and a book. See, the Lord unexpectedly spoke to me through Jeremiah 29 this week. And I say unexpectedly because I'll just be honest. I think Jeremiah 29 is often just very cliche used. Everybody knows, not everybody, but most everybody knows Jeremiah 20. For, oh, see? And normally, I'll just, I'll just, I'm just going to say it. I normally just kind of, kind of like, I'm not going to preach Jeremiah 29 because everybody does. Why would I preach something everybody else is preaching? Why would I preach something that people quote as a cliche that they don't even understand what they're saying? And the Lord spoke to me from Jeremiah 29 and he said, this is your future. 
we think the, the, the future is revival. That's the word God gave us about our six-year anniversary. Moving forward, the future is revival. And the Lord said, Jeremiah 29. And I said, are you sure about that? And he said, I'm God. Yes, I'm sure. Let me just give you a brief summary before we read Jeremiah 29. And it is the only scripture we're going to read today out of Jeremiah 29. Okay? Jeremiah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go back a little bit and get up to Jeremiah. All right? God revealed himself to Abraham. Right? And then there was Isaac. And then there was Jacob. What was Jacob's new name? Israel. And God had told Abraham that through his descendants, he would bless all the nations of the world through his descendants. We talked about Abraham two weeks ago, right? So God told him, and so we get to Isaac, and then we get to Jacob, who God then very powerfully and specially at a place called Peniel, he reveals himself to Jacob, and God himself changes his name to Israel. The descendants of Jacob end up becoming what we know as the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, the, the specially chosen people to whom God revealed himself for this purpose. Listen, some people don't get this. I want you to get this today because I want you to see this in the Bible when you read it. It's not that God loved Israel any more, any more than he loved anybody else. It's that God had to choose somebody to whom reveal himself and through whom to reveal himself so that the coming one, Jesus, could come through that special people. So that he could be identified as the one, as the savior, as the Messiah. That's why Israel, okay? That's why when you read about Israel and you go, really God, Israel? Yeah, it was all about creating a lineage through which Jesus could come and be identified as the Redeemer, as the Messiah. So God very specially and very powerfully revealed himself like he hadn't revealed himself to anybody else to this special people, Israel. And if, as I read through the entire story of the Old Testament, and the New Testament. If there's one thing I can tell you about God and Israel is that God has been so good to them. So, so good. It's not that Moses deserved to see the burning bush and to hear the voice of God telling him to go get them and free them out of slavery. It's because God was so good, he just chose Moses to do it. Moses didn't even want to do it. And then through Moses, God supernaturally, with all kinds of amazing wonders and signs and miracles, he delivers his people, Israel, that didn't even really know him very well. They didn't even totally understand they were the people of God. But God was so good that he delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. And then he was so good that even though they complained and griped and even wanted to go back to Egypt, can you imagine being a slave and getting free and then wanting to go back and be a slave again? Somebody say, hello. We do it with sin, though. I need my water on that one. I forgot my water. Help me, Jesus. Arigato. 
good that even though they complained, they, he raised up Joshua to lead them into possessing the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey, and this amazing place, this fertile place. And he established them there and he gave them victory over their enemies and God's fighting for them and winning their battles and they're worshiping idols and, you know, disobeying left and right. God's just so good. He continues to deliver them again and again. And they overcome Jericho and then they go and steal stuff and come under the judgment and God, once again, he delivers them again and they don't want to fight because they're lazy and complaining and God raises up leaders to lead them into the victory anyway. And then... They totally reject God. Totally and completely. Read the Old Testament. The majority of the people of Israel totally and completely rejected the God that had made them a people and delivered them out of slavery. And instead they worshiped statues. They worshiped idols. They worshiped demons. They completely disobeyed every single one of God's commandments on purpose. He loved them and they rejected his love. And then, if that weren't enough, he sent judges. Remember the judges? To set them free. Because every time... God would set them free and God would help them and God would reveal himself and he'd be good to them. And they'd be like, yeah, 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 God. And then they go right back to worshiping some stupid idol. And God was merciful and patient and he sent judges. And then extreme rejection. They said, God, we don't want you to be our king. We want to be like all the other nations. We want you to give us a king instead of you being our leader. And you know what? God is so good that he gave them a king. And kings, some good kings, some bad kings, some devil-possessed kings. And he used all of those kings to show the people of Israel that's not what they needed. They needed him. They continued to reject him. And through Abraham, Isaac, Israel, eventually we get King David. And then through the lineage of King David, Jesus was going to come. Oh, wait, if that weren't enough, when the kings were doing the king thing, and Israel was just rejecting God. God sent prophets. Do you know, you can read all of the prophets. The whole message of the prophets is one thing. Come back to me. Come back to me. You've abandoned me. You've abandoned me. I'm the one you really need. And, and you've abandoned me. But I'm inviting you. Come back to me. Come on, isn't God good? If you've ever doubted God's good, he's good. He's good even when we're terrible. He's good. 
He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's rich in loving kindness and compassion. Jeremiah happened to be one of those prophets, okay? So what had happened is that God had said, I've given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, chance after chance after chance to return to me, to repent, to come back to me, to obey me, to love me, but you keep on rejecting me. You keep on acting wickedly. And so... If you keep on, if you insist on rejecting me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you to be exiled off to another nation and become basically slaves again. And you know what? They just kept on. We're talking, let me just give you a description, and I want you to see if any, if any of us can identify with this, okay? Specially chosen, a special revelation, deliverance, the promised land, judges, kings, prophets, mercy, idolatry, stubbornness, immorality, rejection of God's word, and rejection of God's prophets. Does that sound familiar at all? When I think about the USA that I love with my whole heart, what comes to my mind is idolatry. We worship anything except God. <laughs> Everything comes before God. In God we trust. Bull. We trust in everything but God. And I know that that is what we're supposed to trust in, and that was the foundation, yes. But it's not our reality. People don't trust God. Even people that say they trust God don't trust him. We can tell it by the way we live. Idolatry. Stubbornness. We're going to have it our way. Immorality. And in today's society, it's not hidden immorality. It is pushed immorality. It is endorsed immorality. If you believe in and stand for sexual purity in any way, now you're the bad guy. It's a total rejection of God's word. And it's a total rejection of God's prophets. It's a rejection of, of, the, of the word of God that's been proclaimed. Listen. No wonder. No wonder we're facing what we're facing. So I don't believe in that judgment of God stuff. Then you don't believe in the God of the Bible. Read the Bible. We are facing the consequences of our wickedness. You say, but not me. I'm referring to our nation in general. We are facing the reality of the consequences of generations of rejecting God and his word and his ways. Now, Jeremiah lived in, a time, in the time 
where his people had done just that and now they had been exiled. They had been invaded, they had been conquered and they had been exiled to another nation, to another kingdom actually called Babylon, right? Anybody remember King Nebuchadnezzar? Can you say Nebuchadnezzar? You know how to say it in Spanish? It's even funner. Nabucodonosor. I love saying Nabucodonosor. It's my favorite word. <laughs> Whenever we read the Bible at night to the kids, we read the Bible in Spanish, and the kids always laugh when we have to say Nabucodonosor. What do they call him in VeggieTales? Mr. Nezer? Yeah. Mr. Nezer, or King Nebuchadnezzar, um, I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Read the whole story. He ended up, in some ways, being better, a better responder to God than the, whole, the people of Israel. <laughs> really bad King Nebuchadnezzar ended up worshiping God. And so the exile had happened, and Jeremiah was a prophet of God, and he was allowed to remain behind in Judah, okay? So all the people, with the exception of, of, of a few, they said, you know, the, the poor people so that they could remain behind and take care of the land. Jeremiah was allowed to stay with the people in Judah while everybody had been exiled. And Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem. Let, let's go to Jeremiah 29, okay? Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Bab Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jehoiachin, the queen mother, the court officials and the other officials of Judah and all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elisa, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, that was a mouthful. All right. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army Harmes, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. In other words, y'all ain't getting out of here anytime soon, okay? Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. Multiply. Don't dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where you, I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Come on, somebody. We need to pray for our city. We need to pray for our city. Okay? We're not controlled by what happens in our city, but we definitely are, have to deal with the consequences of what happens in our city. Let's pray for the welfare of our city. If it goes well with our city, it'll go better for us. Come on now. <sighs> This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Same today. Got a lot of people speaking in the name of God and all they're doing is tricking people. Don't listen to their dreams because they're telling you lies in my name. Be careful who you listen to. People are telling lies in the name of Jesus. You better make sure you know what the word of God says. Don't be deceived just because somebody says they speak in the name of God. 
Even those who were possessed by the spirit of Antichrist, Jesus said, they'll speak in my name. They'll use my name and deceive many. Don't believe them. Don't let them trick you. I've not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, period. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. And here goes the scripture everybody knows, right? As I read it, there are seven things about revival right here. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach seven more points, 10 minutes each. It's going to be quick. But there are seven things about revival right here, all right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Anybody know, glad that he knows the plan even when you don't? <laughs> Woo, he knows the plans. They are plans for good and not disaster. Thank you, Lord. Because it sure seems like the, the future is a disaster. But his plans are good and they are not for disaster. To give you, come on, tell, tell somebody. I haven't made you tell anybody anything today. Tell them to give you a future and a hope. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the sevenfold call to revival. This is a sevenfold invitation to revival, what we're about to read. Then, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me or seek me, wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found. It's like he wanted to repeat it. Like, I want to be found. You'll find me, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. There is hope for the future. Our hope for the future is revival. Our hope for the future is revival. And listen, and I... I I want us to get this, or else. Our hope for the future is either revival or else. I don't want to know. <laughs> either we have a mighty spiritual awakening or we are in bigger trouble than we know. But I believe Revival is our future. That's why we're calling. That's why we're calling our six-year anniversary. It's a prophetic declaration. The future for us is revival. The future for us, we accept nothing less. The future for us is revival. Come on, tell somebody, your future is revival. This is the future I see for our church. This is the future I see for the church. Oh, come on, and if the church will grab a hold of it, this is the future I see for our nation. The future can be revival, but it's got to start in us. It's got to start in the church. Sevenfold promise and call to, re to real, real, true, blue revival. Y'all ready? 
I'm going to go quick. The first one is a return to prayer. A return to prayer. He says, when you pray, not if you pray. When you pray. In other words, if you don't pray, this ain't for you. Whoo, Jesus. When you pray, I'll listen. It's a return to prayer. Real prayer. Not just nice prayer phrases. P-U-P-R, wait, push, P-U-S-H. I even preached it one time. Pray until something happens. And then we don't. We don't pray until it happens. We pray and we get tired. Not just nice little cliches or phrases or ideas about the power of prayer. Real prayer. It is time, listen church. It is time to recover our position and our passion as intercessors. We've been given the call and the privilege not only to pray for ourselves, but to stand in the gap between God's judgment, between the devil, between his goodness and the people and everything that's going on. We've been called to take our position and really, truly seek God in prayer. Because when the church prays, y'all, things change. When the church prays, things change. Maybe Caleb can help me with the date on this, but literally. <clears throat> it was in the time of the Civil War. And the president, <laughs> President Lincoln, called, listen, President Lincoln called the church. They know who to call on, y'all. <laughs> they know who to call on. But just, we got to call. <laughs> he called on the church to do a day of prayer and repentance for God to have mercy on the United States. And the church did it. 1863. Two days later, two days later, the Civil War turned around. Okay? That, that's right. Because when the church prays, things change. And when the church doesn't pray, or we just pray pretty little prayers, things don't change, except they change for the worse. You guys, it's time to recover real prayer. And I don't just mean praying alone. We pray alone. We pray individually. But corporate prayer, we must come together and pray in unity and in agreement. When you pray, I will listen. And I believe, you know, and when the church prays, things change. The second thing is, he says, if you look for me or seek me wholeheartedly, it's a return to seeking God, to truly seeking God. 
to truly going after him, looking for him, not just knowing he's there and hoping he does something, but to truly seeking, to pursuing the presence of God rather than seeking and pursuing relevant, cool, and comfortable. We don't need relevant. We don't need cool. We don't need comfortable. In fact, comfortable has been the enemy of the church in America for a long time. That's why we have no criticism meant whatsoever. Hear my heart. That's why we have amazing auditoriums, mega churches, full of comfortable people in no presence of God. No healing, no deliverance, no salvation. The church is as bound up and addicted as the rest of the world. And sometimes worse. We've got to return to seek God and seek nothing else. I thank God for this building. But let me tell you, we used to feel the presence of God so strong and so powerful when we were in that tiny little dark dingy place over by the KSU campus. It would be 80 degrees in there and a line for the bathroom, but the anointing was hot. And many of your lives were changed because of that. We need God, not relevant, cool, and comfortable. I already said it, but number three, a return to the presence. A return to the presence. A return to seeking God, number two. Number three, a return to the presence. He says, you'll find me. I'll be found by you. In other words, they went to look for God and God showed up. And I believe that that is our future. We've experienced it, but we're going to experience it in an even greater way. As we return to prayer, as we return to seeking him above all else, we're not going to seek and not find. We're going to seek and he's going to show up. I believe that the tangible presence of God over entertainment is what sets us apart and makes us truly powerful. We're not here for entertainment. We're here for the presence. You can watch a movie and get all the feels. Right? Hallmark is where it's at. Well, it used to. Anyway, okay. Y'all be, yeah. Okay. You can get entertained and get all the feels but it not change your life and save your soul. Listen, and save your soul. Unfortunately, a lot of people come to church and they get entertained and they get all the feels, but it didn't change in their life or saving their soul. We need the presence. We need God to be found by us. 
Number four, deliverance from the world and from the enemy. He says, I will end your captivity. I will end your captivity. Rather than the church being captive to the same things as the world. Church, we got to repent from the world's ways. We've got to repent from conforming and accepting. Just being like the rest of the world. Because the enemy wants to trap and captivate you. And I believe there's a great deliverance coming for the people of God. To deliver us out of the ways of the world. The traps of the enemy. And into the light and holiness. The fifth thing. Prosperity and favor. He says, and I will restore your fortunes. I will restore your fortunes. I believe that when we are delivered and we're set apart for God, we are ready for this, his blessing. Rather than constant lack and misfortune, I believe God wants to restore our fortunes. And that's not just money. Okay, sure, finances, resources, he wants to bless us, he wants to prosper us, but he doesn't want us to live a life of misfortune. He wants to give us his favor. He wants to open doors rather than just live in life with a bunch of shut doors all the time. He wants to restore your fortunes. But in order to have our fortunes restored, we gotta be delivered from the enemy. We can only be as blessed as we are delivered. Let me say that a little different. We can only be as blessed as we are free. Because God blesses us when we're not free, but we screw it up. We can only live in the blessing of having our fortunes restored when we allow God to end our captivity to the world and to the enemy. Y'all, this is revival. Number six, almost done, unity and purpose. He says, I will gather you out of the nations. I will gather you out of the nations. I see a revival that gathers and unites us rather than us being scattered and disjointed and everybody just kind of doing their own thing. It's time for the church to be gathered, to be united in purpose, to move forward with purpose. And finally, number seven, a harvest of lost and backsliding souls. He says, I'll bring you home again huh, to your own land. Guys, I know that this is a longer than normal message. But it is our time for revival. It's time to grab a hold of the kingdom and violently possess it. Yes. 
I will bring you home again. I see in the future. I see a great harvest of lost and backsliding souls. Instead of just shifting the same Christians from one church to another, it is time to call the multitudes home to God. It's time for true church growth, kingdom growth, not just church shifting. It's time for lost to be saved. It's time if you've been backsliding and you're here today, it's time for you to come home and get right with God again. If you've been having your hope misplaced and other things, today is the day if you're listening, watching. We're not living in a time where we can play around anymore. He's calling you home. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you don't know if your sins have been forgiven or not, today, right now, you can be forgiven of your sins. You can be born again. You can receive eternal life. If you know Jesus, but you haven't been walking with Jesus, you've been backslidden. Maybe you used to be close to him and you're not close anymore. Right now, today, don't wait any longer. Come home. Come home. And go bring others home. Real revival, real awakening always, always, always brings a harvest of lost souls into the kingdom of God. Our hope for the future is revival, and you're invited to be a part of this. I really believe, I really believe we're going to see it's promised, it's prophetically promised in the word of God that the generation, the generation after Israel became a nation again would see, okay, would preclude the second coming, and there is a promise of a great Harvest a great revival before he comes again because everyone in the world has to hear the gospel. You and I are invited into the future that must be revival. See, this is the reality. The future is revival. The question is, am I a part of it and are you a part of it? God's going to have his way. God's going to do his thing. With whomever will go with him. Whoever will return to prayer. Whoever will return to seeking. Whoever will allow themselves to be set free from the world and be blessed. Whoever will come home. Revival is coming. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, don't be caught asleep. Don't miss out. Wake up. I say it to myself first, and I say it to our church first. I believe this is a word for the church. I believe this is a word for our city and for our nation. But I say it to me. I say it to my family first. I say it to you guys, my family. we got to be awake so that when he comes, we just whoa, go with him. We just move with him. I want to invite us this week to fast. 
I believe, I heard a, another pastor saying that this, this week, he felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't wait until January to fast, fast now. Because everybody fasts in January, right? Isn't that what we do? Okay, we got past New Year's, we ate it, we, we ought to fast anyway, right? We ate all that in December. We, we always start the year, and it's great, we probably will fast in January. We always start the year fasting, kind of like to be ready for what's next, the next year. But I really felt the Holy Spirit telling me, the time to fast is now. The time to fast is now. We're not waiting for 2021. Our hope is not that revival will come in 2021. Our hope for the future, our hope for revival is now. It's now. I want to invite us as a family to fast this week. Maybe you don't even know what that is or what, what that looks like. It means to not eat. <laughs> fasting. Listen, fasting means to skip a meal or to skip several meals. But it doesn't just mean to starve yourself. It means, listen, this is the, the important part about fasting. Instead of eating, I pray. Okay? It's not just not eating. That's not fasting. Spiritual fasting. That's fasting to go to the doctor. Okay? Right? You know, you got to fast to have blood work. Well, that's just not eating. Spiritual fasting is instead of eating, I pray. Instead of lunch hour, I have prayer hour. Instead of waking up and having breakfast, I spend the, I spend the time I would normally eat, be eating breakfast for 30 minutes or whatever, praying instead. And what I want to do is invite, listen, there's no pressure on anybody to do this, but you want to. I want to invite us all together as a family to fast this Wednesday, okay? Why? I think it's a crucial time in our history as a church coming to our six-year anniversary. It also happens to be the first Wednesday back at Revive Prayer, right? Back at our prayer night. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to call some people to fast Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, okay? If that is you, if the Holy Spirit is telling you to fast Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, follow what he says, okay? Rather that's not eating at all, rather that's skipping a meal each day. But I really, really want to encourage and invite and even urge us all together, if we could all together on Wednesday somehow fast, if you could fast the whole day up until the prayer meeting, awesome. If you could skip one meal, awesome. Whatever. But take some extra time between now and Wednesday, and especially Wednesday all together, and let's fast. And if you can, if you can, even make an extra effort, even if you're not used to coming on Wednesday nights. I know everybody can't come every Wednesday night, okay, to revive. But I want to ask you and urge you to make an extra effort. We're going to come in here on Wednesday night and we are going to pray until we can't pray no more. We're going to fast together as a family and we're going to pray for our future to be revival. Can we do that together as a family? Fasting helps us pray better. Thank you for bearing with us this morning. There's so much to communicate. So much to get done in the spirit as we get ready for next week. Next week is a historic moment, moment for us. 
And I want to thank you for being a part of it. Does anybody see the breakthrough coming? Come on, just take a second. Close your eyes. Can you see the breakthrough coming? I see it. I see it in the spirit. I see it when I pray. I see it when I look at you, family. I see the breakthrough coming. And the breakthrough is revival. The breakthrough is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The breakthrough is all these things we just looked at in Jeremiah 29. You're invited. You're invited. Just before we end our service seeking the Lord for a minute, does anybody need to be born again? Does anybody need to be born again? If that's you, if you say, I, I, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord, would you just wave at me real quick? Say, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm saved, or I, I'm, I'm not saved, or I'm not sure that my sins have been forgiven. Today, if you receive Jesus Christ, if you come to Him, you repent of your sins, you surrender your life to Him, you'll be born again. You'll receive a new life. It's eternal life. Your sins will be forgiven. But you need to make that decision. Is that anybody says, me? that's me. I need to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I need to surrender my life today. See, we need to go bring the lost in. We need to go bring the lost in. Why don't we stand to our feet? Because I do know for sure that this is some of us. Today, if you need to recommit your life to Jesus as a follower of Jesus, whether you've been backslidden far away from God or simply you've just lost your focus, you've just lost your, your fire, your first love, whatever it is. And today you want to return. You want to return to God. You want to come back to seeking Him, to putting Him first. Maybe, listen, I know this is some of you. I know that this is some of us in the house today. Maybe you've allowed yourself to become a captive by the world, a captive of an addiction, a captive of a wrong way of thinking, a captive of some sort of sin. And today you need freedom. You need Jesus to set you free. Whatever it is, if you just need to come to the altar and just seek Him for a few minutes as we sing this song to close, I want to invite you. Just come. Come seek God. Come to the altar if you need to. We see it now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.